Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Your Career Choice or Chance this season around Gen AI in the workplace. I'm your host, Mike McDade, and I'm happy to have you with us today while we explore the topic of augmenting ourselves with AI, a design revolution. Our special guests today are Marit Cohen and Andrew Wiegand. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Hey, thanks. Before we begin, I want to also introduce Alex, our co-host. As always, Alex is here to learn, to listen, and to bring their unique AI expertise to the final question of the episode. Thank you, Mike, and welcome, Mirit and Andrew. I can't wait to explore the dimensions of augmentation and its impact on the workplace. So, Andrew, tell us what you do, what your day job looks like. My official title is a multimedia professional, but that's pretty vague. I mostly do a lot of video work, a lot of motion, graphics, video editing, filming, recording, you know, uh, the full gamut. Marit, can I ask you uh, to give us just a one-liner on your day job as well? Yeah, sure. I'm a graphic designer. I design everything from campaigns through through shows that uh, Amdocs is running through the world. My expertise is the digital design, a bit UI UX, a lot of uh, AI these days. So first, in the generative AI world, right, especially these days, the, I think probably the the, the buzzword that comes to a lot of people's minds in, in terms of deploying generative AI is, is co-pilots, right? I, I'm not sure if Microsoft was the first, but certainly they're one of the biggest ones that talked about co-pilot capabilities, right, in their products. Uh, we as a company are, are introducing co-pilot capabilities in our products, for example. In terms of the software or, or the products you use every day, are you using kind of co-pilot capabilities today? I can call uh, Midjourney, which is the main tool I use. About 80% of my work is through Midjourney as a co-pilot. Nothing like Microsoft co-pilot, you know. It's a bit different in design, I think. Yeah, and, and I guess maybe, Andrew, I ask you the same question. It's nice in this group, we have a little bit of a balance between uh, graphic design and video work, and they have different sets of tools. Well, as it stands right now, there. are because AI, in a lot of ways, is new to hitting our industry in a way, there isn't really a streamlined integration yet that would match that co-pilot definition necessarily. It's not like it's not like embedded into our normal tool sets. They're really all just standalone um, at the moment, and they're kind of still siloed. There's some uh, progress being moved towards integrating them together, and there's a few companies here and there that are trying to blend them together. We see some of those like like with uh, Runway, you know, they're trying to blend image gen with video. And so you can kind of get some of that integrated together, but that doesn't, it's still siloed because, um, you know, there's still other tools that are, are being used like for video editing. I have a different piece of software for that. So it's not quite co-pilot yet. And, uh, but in the future, it, it will, it will become that. Are either of you seeing places where, you know, despite the promise, because I think we all believe in, in the promise of generative AI in all of our tools, right, where you're having to, like, work around the workaround, meaning, you know, it doesn't do what you want it to do. You find yourself having to say, okay, this, you know, this might have saved me time if it had actually done what I wanted, right? But because, you know, the prompt doesn't work or because, you know, the library it's trained on doesn't have what I need, it's not able to produce the outcome I want. I know that uh, Marit's going to say the same. That is pretty much the challenge with AI is that uh, you plug it in and then you get something that's 90% there and then there's this little thing that is busted and you need to fix it and it just it just refuses. It just refuses to fix it no matter what you do. This is not necessarily a problem 
the problem I think will come in with the expectation of being able to generate images so quickly. So a normal speed for designing something, whether that's video or just a static image, the normal speed, this is lightning fast. And then going in manually to fix that component, it's still way faster. But when the expectation starts to become that you can just always use generative AI to get what you need um, without padding for it breaking and then not working the way it's supposed to, that's only where it becomes a problem. Because I mean, otherwise, I mean, I'm at 90% of what I want, and then I got to do some manual adjustments to, to correct what I need. I mean, it's still fantastic. I just did it today. This is the reason I used the Photoshop. I tried to make me journey, make me an Indian girl smiling, happy. And she was so sad, you know, nothing, nothing worked. So I took her over to Photoshop. I changed a few things up. You know, it, it's a mix of, of tools to do, finally to do whatever you want to do. You can do almost everything, but you need to master a few tools and know what's the advantage of each one and what's the disadvantage of each one. And then just play with it, you know, just like an orchestra. Andrew, you mentioned something that I want to kind of go back to, timing expectation, right? Now, I know I, I have uh, personally have unreasonable expectations here, but I'm still fully confident that, you know, it'll be 90% faster, let's call it, in, in when it actually works the way it's supposed to. So is your experience so far that like, hey, by using this on certain tasks, right, doesn't have to be everything, are you able to do it 20% faster because you no longer have to manually create this element, right? Or when we're developing software, we see major promise, right, to improve the speed. And in some cases, the quality, not always, right? But that is sometimes offset by other factors, right? Okay, they have to learn this new tool. They have to correct for quality in the code, right? It's not always like net a 50% improvement all of a sudden. Long way of asking, do you see measurable improvements in speed or, or time to your end product, let's call it? Well, I think that uh, it's going to be a slightly different answer for Marit and myself. I would imagine that Marit, this is a dramatic uh, speed increase on practically every task that she has, which is why she said she uses it every single day. For still images, generative AI is fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. And you can generate and iterate so fast. So much of art is iteration. And being able to do so at such a rapid rate so quickly, I mean, it's it is groundbreaking. The differences with me, however, is we haven't really hit that in video. There's still a lot of jankiness. There's still a lot of strange things. There's some very interesting components that have kind of changed some visual language with generative AI, but it has, with video in particular, it hasn't necessarily sped anything up. And in some cases, it can take just as long to, to generate something. With still images, dramatic increase incredible speed improvement but with video we're we haven't hit that yet and to be totally frank even despite some of the amazing things that that uh, we see coming out with uh, with different companies producing video components there's still a lot that it won't ever really be able to get to some things are a ways off and, and some things are, are way faster so I totally agree. For still images, it's fantastic. You can do so many options, so so little time. It's uh, it's precious. I don't need illustrators uh, as much as I used them before. I can try to do it myself. Um, I think the the speed is really is something else. 
I did a job today that was supposed to take about a week of work in one day. So I think for still images, it's fantastic. This is a good place for me to ask about a little bit about consistency, right? So, and I, and I think this, uh, Marita, I'll start with you on this because I think it's a, something you live, eat, and breathe a little bit, right? You know, when we talk about company brands, right, and, and campaigns, right, and long-running programs, a lot of it is consistency in the way the brand is portrayed, right, and presented, right? Consistent colors, consistent styles, you know, it's it's a... Uh, it sticks together because of the the visual you know identity, right? So, with my experience, I'm the dumb uh, non designer in the room. My experience is that this is really hard with generative AI tools, right? Like sometimes you can get a prompt that will like show you the same colors, right? Like maybe, but you're never going to get it in the same way. The next, you know, when you come back a week later and you try to create it a woman in a campaign a week ago, and you try to create a woman in a campaign a week later, like all of a sudden the result looks completely different, right? How do you manage that? Like, you know, practically, like every day when you have to create something, like how do you account for that, I guess? Not even a week. A minute later, the woman is totally different, <laughs> okay? You actually can't recreate the same the same image. It's a matter of of luck. It's basically like a delatory. So you need to adjust the tool to the project. Not every project can use the, the AI tool, okay? It's very specific for each project. These days, in this point, it's very difficult to use a, a brand language, a consistent brand language in a project. I think we're not there yet, but it's coming very fast. So I'm very positive. I'm a user of the output of your products. And to me, they look very, they look and feel very consistent. So I'll, I'll just say that my experience with the, uh, the output is very good. So you're, you're fooling me anyway. <laughs> But the output that you see in the website is about 2% of all the artwork that I do. And I just pick them up to be the most suitable ones, you know? When you had to, I'm, I'm, now I'm taking you back 30 years. When you had to uh, first adopt Midjourney, right? Or, or something else, doesn't have to be Midjourney, right? Like, how did you how did you go about learning it? Did you just jump in and like play with it and say like, okay, let me see if this gives me what I want? Did you like uh, do proper, let's call it proper training? Like, how did you think about it then? And, and how do you think about it now? I'm a great self-learner. I think this is one of the qualities all the new AI world uh, employees needs to have. I learned everything by myself. I did the research. I tried. I spent the hours trying and and seeing what can I do because there is no uh, official training that you can say it works. It changes so rapidly. Okay, the the version that I'm working on today will change in two weeks. I need to be updated. I need to I need to keep track of every change, of every new tool, of even in legal terms, what's legally and what's what's legal to use and what's not. So a lot of self-learning and research, yes, a lot of curiosity and a lot of creativity, you know, to know what I want to say and the right way to say it. You know, when you look ahead, right, when you're thinking about the future, uh, let's, I'm using design broadly here, right, but like the future of the industry of design, let's call it. How far do you think we'll go? It's so hard to say, you know, because everything is like very flourishing right now. A lot of the tools, a lot of the options. I guess in a few years it will be it will slow down a bit. Okay, um, 
But in order to work in the creative area, I think you should always think outside the box. You should always be the one that creates the concept. It would be very difficult to do for generative AI because if it learns from all the data that he sees, the geniusity here is to create something no one ever did. Andrew, what's your, what's your take? One of the powerful things about AI right now is that in the hands of an artist, we already have an idea. We already have a vision. We, we kind of know where we're going. Generative AI will start to toss in a couple of other ideas that we didn't think of. And then we get even more creative. And then we're like, that's a fantastic uh, little addition. We can create all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's kind of a, a natural process, I think, because art is iterative. We uh, will make lots of different versions. So, But I, I do think Marit's right. In a way, what AI really does is it puts you more in a director's chair rather than um, just the artist's chair, if, if that makes sense. Like it, it allows you to direct more. So you, you do need that vision. You do, do need to have that, that direction moving into it. And the AI can assist you if you think of it as like a, a personal artist to a director, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I think of it. Um, I get someone that can generate things for me very quickly, which is nice. Thank you both. I'm, I'm going to hand it to Alex, who's going to close us out with our last question. Thank you, Mike. Mirit and Andrew, looking ahead in the evolving design landscape, what unique abilities or features would you wish for in an AI collaborator tailored to the demands of design and multimedia? I want the button that says make art and it's done. (laughs) (laughs) But that'll never happen. (laughs) You never know. You never know. I think the point where where a few AI tools will will combine into one and not just, you know, go to one tool, do something, and then continue it with another tool and then with the fourth. It's, It's so tiring and time consuming. I think that's one of the uh, one of the challenges we face is, uh, you know, with all these new tools coming out and it's all kind of everyone. It's a race. There's a race going on. You can feel it in the uh, AI industry. Everyone's trying to produce the product first and get there first. But it just creates this fragmentation of things being all over the place. And as an artist, I mean, it's kind of frustrating having to reach across the table to get the next tool. And we have to do that constantly. So there's this hidden opportunity cost, right? Like we have to spend all this extra time sorting through all the tools and getting all the things in place just to generate the things. So we're saving time in one area, but then we have to spend all this other time organizing it all and getting it all in place. Having things in one central location would be fantastic. However, I've been doing this a long time and working in video, there is no one-stop shop for me. I have to use multiple uh, pieces of software. I guess what I would like is if, Maybe it weren't quite as many as it is now. Maybe two or three uh, would be nice. But I understand that uh, everyone will focus on on different things. I think I'll just stick with my main argument of I would like a button that just finishes it all for me. But I know that will never happen. So I'll just keep dreaming and trying to make it. Maybe we'll get closer. Let's see. Marit, Andrew, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I think this was... uh... We covered uh, some important stuff. We covered skills. We covered the evolution of the tools. We covered, you know, the impact on our daily work. So we really appreciate it. I hope uh, all of our listeners got something out of it. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks for having me. 